I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Charlie Demers joins me again. He's got a new book coming out later this week, the second installment of the Dr. Anik Boudreau mystery series, Noonday Dark. I'm about uh, halfway through it, and I'm enjoying it a great deal, not just for the mystery at the heart of this book, the disappearance of a political campaign staffer to the newly elected bike-riding mayor of Vancouver. Our hero, Dr. Boudreau, gets the call from police as to the missing Danielle because she was her patient. She'd been treated for a major depressive episode but had been doing well. Dr. Boudreau sets out to find out what really happened and joins uh, Danielle's estranged father, Ivor, a uh, former radical journalist turned right-wing blogger. We're drawn into the world of a motorcycle club with a strong presence on the waterfront who are confronted by the new mayor's plan to reduce port traffic along the Knight Street-Clark Drive corridor. Mr. Demers, in his writing, as usual, reflects the changing city, the intricacies of a metropolis, and tackles those uh, usual questions of ownership. Who does the city belong to and who can change it? Charles Demers is an author, comedian, playwright, screenwriter, and political activist. He is frequently heard on CBC Radio's The Debaters. His 2009 book, Vancouver Special, which he first appeared on this program with in 2010, was shortlisted for the Hubert Evans Nonfiction Prize. Other books include Property Values, The Horrors, and Primary Obsessions, the first in the Boudreau series, which, uh, like this new book, is published by Douglas and McIntyre. Please welcome back to the Plant Online program, Charlie Demers. Mr. Demers, good morning. Hello, Joseph. How's it going? Pretty good yourself. As always, better uh, when I when I hear your voice on the other end of the line. It's nice to talk to you again. I was telling you just before we started how much I'm enjoying uh, Noonday Dark. Um, it, it, it's um, engaging, it's funny, um, and I, I can't wait. To, I mean, I, I, if I ask you in the course of this interview what happens, please stop me because um, <laughs> I have some ideas, and, and um, <laughs> I, I want to read it because I don't want to spoil it. Um, You're very kind. Thank you very much for the kind words. Dr. Anik Boudreau, when we uh, find her as uh, Noonday Dark begins, where is she? Uh, she is uh, in a session with... Um, a a patient who is uh, struggling with depression, although uh, she uh, is in sort of the upswing. I mean, when, when you have any kind of um, an extended or, or even, I think, you know, any kind of medium-term um, relationship with uh, a psychologist or, or a psychiatrist or, or counselor, they're going to see you in sort of uh, peaks and valleys they're going to see you on 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 in in better phases and 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 really tough times and mm-hmm. um uh, she's with her patient Danielle uh who is uh, appears to be uh coming out of a um a, an extended tough time um but then not too long afterwards um Danielle uh disappears and uh a, a suicide note is found uh and it's it's not clear what has happened to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, suicide is presumed, um, but it just doesn't jive with what um, with what Dr. Boudreau has uh, seen in the course of the, in the course of the treatment. And uh, that that sort of uh, feeling and um, and a kind of uh, insistence uh, by uh, Danielle's estranged father to kind of resist uh, the bleakest possible assessment. Uh, sort of spurs her into her her second kind of uh, amateur sleuthing uh, caper. 
Yeah, so we'll, we'll, I'll ask you about that in a second and about the yeah. uh, the other characters in the book. But um, th- this uh, this practice that Dr. Boudreaux has in terms of cognitive behavioral therapy, I've I probably asked you this before, but uh, some people may not have heard our, our previous chats. Um, how is that therapy different than, say, a psychoanalysis? Sure. I mean, for starters, I, I just want to say anyone who hasn't heard our previous chats, I mean, really is, you know, not doing themselves any favors. Uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, anyone out there who's, who's, you know, it's worth being a planta de mares completist if you're going <laughs> to listen to any of these. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so a cognitive behavioral therapy is, is it's an interesting um, type of therapy to build any kind of a um, fiction um, world around because unlike psychoanalysis, it, it it doesn't necessarily um, lend itself to uh, great dramatic scenes in the sense that it's 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 not talk therapy. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy tends and and and, and cognitive CBT is not um, is not always the best kind of treatment for every kind of uh, mental illness or, mm-hmm. or, or 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 mental health challenge. Um, there are certain things that it is like, you know, far and away, as far as the evidence suggests, it's far and away the, the, the best way of dealing with things, like, for instance, obsessive compulsive disorder. But cognitive behavioral therapy is less interested in kind of getting to the, um, getting to the sort of, uh, root or, or sort of um, deep uh, symbolic kind of uh, Jungian or Freudian kind of uh, heft behind um, what it is that, you, that you're dealing with as opposed to um, identifying the, the sort of thought patterns and, um, and actions that are uh, capturing you in a, in a loop of uh, uh, basically a kind of pathological loop of reinforcing um, bad thoughts and bad actions um, that, that, that essentially make uh, your condition uh, worse. Is, is usually aimed at, um, uh, it's, it's often shorter courses of treatment, although, you know, I've been with my CBT uh, therapist for, um, you know, over a decade and a half now, so uh-huh. you know, that's not always the case. Um, but the the tools for dealing with it are, are, are usually a bit more uh, usually a bit more practical uh, as opposed to you know sitting down and maybe sharing um, you know memories that might come to mind or talking about a dream that you might yeah, have had. Yeah. Um, it's not that those things don't come up, but they're they're not they're not the focus in the same way. And so so these skills that, that Dr. Boudreau has in terms of, yeah. of her work. How, how do they lend themselves to say um, sleuthing and, and and figuring out what's happened to people? Say, I think that um, you know in 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 the in the real life psychologist who was my kind of inspiration for Dr. Boudreau, uh-huh. um, I, it, it it tends to kind of lend itself to a a deeply caring and empathetic um, no nonsense. Quality, which those those two sort of we don't always think of those two no. things as, as going hand in hand. Yeah. We sort of we sort of think of uh, those those things as kind of an either or sort of deal. And um, so so in the same way that like I think that you know the, the great the great 
detective characters, like for instance, a, you know, a Philip Marlowe. Um, you know, in, in Marlowe, there is this paradox, right? Like he's he's deeply, deeply cynical, um, while at the same time uh, has this kind of unbending um, code of uh, code of honor or code of of, of, of ethics that yeah. that. That seems to be at odds with with his understanding that the that the universe of of kind of um, post war Los Angeles is this completely amoral chaotic place, um, and and so with with Dr. Boudreau, um, what kind of attracted me to that mix was this idea of someone who um, who always kind of looks for the uh, you know listens for horses as opposed to zebras mm. um as the old saying goes and 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 uh you know doesn't doesn't tend to doesn't tend towards kind of indulgence or or or, or that sort of thing but then also just um just cannot help but care about the people she she comes into contact with so danielle um uh, she's also um an aspiring comedian is that right yeah, yeah. So I think um, Danielle is, I, I would kind of place her as sort of early mid-career or, or late early career. She's kind of a, she's a blossoming um, uh, comic. You know, they're, they're you know, it, it, Dr. Boudreaux was able to find video of her on, on YouTube online. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a, there's a feeling that, you know, she's, she's maybe recorded some stuff for television. She's, She's got a job, uh, or she's just coming off a job uh, as, as a campaign worker, uh, basically punching up um, the, the speeches uh, for a, uh, the successful uh, mayoral candidate in a, in a Vancouver civic election, basically putting, putting jokes in the, in, the, in the mayor's speeches. And uh, so, yeah, she's, she's, she's funny. She's a, she's a comic um uh and uh you know taking in this sort of uh taking in this sort of contract work on the side and uh the the uh, the, the new mayor of Vancouver that that uh, she helps uh, get elected is uh, Alberto Rossi i i i'm finding the names fascinating in the book because uh, Alberto Rossi sounds like a candidate for Washington state governor or something like that you know? <laughs> You know what? He was he was originally Roberto Rossi, uh-huh. and then uh, and then I, it occurred to me that people would think that that was some sort of clue that you were supposed to read him as Gregor <laughs> Robertson, and, and I didn't want anybody doing the because uh, this is the thing actually when you when you write about uh, a city that's not written about all that often, yeah. people immediately they go okay well here's the uh, like you know here's the legend for how you're supposed to read this. This person is really this person in real life, and this person is really that person in real life. And, um, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, it's not really that kind of book. I mean, I, 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 tr- I tried to, um, I wanted to have a, a, a believable, um, uh, I, I, I wrote the, 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 the story kind of is, is in the tradition of, I guess, um, uh, like uh, Chinatown or Who Framed Roger sure. Rabbit in yeah. the sense of like, there's this, there's this, uh, you know, kind of unspeakably boring bureaucratic uh, thing that kind of kicks off or hangs over the um, uh, the, uh, the action in, in the story. Um, in this case, it's the decommissioning of the or the potential decommissioning of the arterial north-south uh, uh, Vancouver truck route. Mm. And um, you know, it's it's 
I guess I'm trying to work in that in that tradition of you know having some kind of ultra dull uh, local bureaucratic question be the thing that's sort of sitting on top of everybody's kind of uh, uh, seamy and untoward uh, 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 and and uh, Machiavellian kind of um, plotting and scheming for each other um, and and uh, and essentially um, and so I wanted that to be realistic and so I called a friend who who works for the city um, and, and I, I said you know could this happen yeah. uh, you know is this is this conversation like a you know am I am I in the realm of like science fiction here or is this something <laughs> that could yeah. conceivably happen he, he said, yes, it, it, it is actually something that could happen. Here are the issues that are at play. Here are some conversations about this that have actually already taken place. And so, um, you know, I, so I wanted it to be realistic, but I didn't want people to read it as a kind of, a, uh, you know, Roman play about something that was actually going on directly in Vancouver. Um, um, but, but like you say, I wanted, wanted to be able to, to bring in um, the various, Sort of elements, the various layers of of Vancouver. The first book was, um, you know, it was it was Dr. Boudreaux's first mystery, and and you know it was my first mystery too. And so mm-hmm. that book was, I think, a lot. It was the canvas was a lot smaller for the for the mystery. Um, this one, I wanted to move things up to a, uh, just sort of a a, a a larger a larger canvas of, of, of play with the mystery at a at a bigger level and so it ended up being this kind of you know novel about about the city and and the city that you write about because it, there's a section in the book where you where you talk about east vancouver and you write about it in almost a romantic sort of way i live in in a, a v5 postal code and yeah. um the the part of town where i live at, at fraser and king edward um seems very different than say the the, the western part of of what would be East Vancouver, say the the part closest to Ontario or Maine, right? As opposed to the the one that you you write about, um, I was going to say further east, but it's it's not really further east. It's it's probably north of Broadway, yes. Um, sort of uh, east of Clark. Yeah, the kind of the kind of northeast. Um, the, so the first part of this, uh, like the, the very first place I ever lived was um you know on, on caslow street mm-hmm. um in the kind of uh basically sort of think about i guess the the sort of diamond between um the the peony at the at the north yeah. east corner and commercial drive and broadway at the southwest corner um you know that 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 kind of um i think that's the sort of part of vancouver that you're talking about yeah. right? Like and 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 is this place that you know over the course of um, forty years has gone from being essentially you know kind of uh, working class immigrant um, neighborhood uh, to being you know in, in in a sense still that and and in a sense some of those families are now you know still there but now are sitting on these you know million and a half dollar lots. And then it's just a question of okay, when do we cash out, leave for a completely different housing market? Um, and, but all the new people, all the all the new intake, are you know um, uh, upper middle class professionals and above, right? 
So, um, yeah, I, I mentioned that you write about it romantically, and I, I guess the, the feeling that I got as I was reading that was that it, because the city is changing as quickly as it is and, and, and has, um, you're almost capturing a, a part of this city that, um, I don't know, five years from now would probably be a lot different than it is now. That's that's always what, uh, you know, when you're writing about Vancouver, certain things, I mean, it's, it's funny, I was I was rereading um, Eden Robinson's Blood Sports um, for a, a little review on, um, uh, like an omnibus Vancouver crime review on, mm-hmm. on Sheila Rogers' show, and, and, you know, Eden was writing about Commercial Drive in the late 90s, you know, when it was kind of, you know, still kind of commercial drive-ish yeah. in the sense that it was back then of, of like people who took the 20 the number 20 bus because they couldn't afford a car and and uh you know lived in in you know tough little apartment box and and basement suites and and um and and the houses coming off commercial drive were not uh um you know the kinds of houses that you would see in an in an architectural magazine, they yeah. are now. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's 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 a it's a place where you'd go and enjoy like a, a very very good meal on a on a quite comfortable patio. That's that was not the commercial drive of, of the late 1990s. Um, and you know, the late 1990s weren't that long ago. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. and it was incredible to me to to read. To reread Eden's piece and and just and just to to remember how apt a description it was of that world uh, at at that point versus just just how um, foreign it felt uh, in terms of now. Now that having been said, then there are always these little pockets of the old uh, that stay inside the. Uh, so if you go into uh, you know the super value at First Avenue and Commercial Drive yeah. at at midnight or one in the morning, you know it's 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 the only 24-hour place I think uh, in Vancouver. Maybe right. maybe the super value on Davy Street in the West End also. But um, all the 24-hour places with the pandemic um, went to closing at midnight. Uh, uh, you know there are no 24-hour places left in the city. Um, uh, that grocery store, if you go into that grocery store at, at, at 12 or 1 a.m., uh, it's old commercial drive again. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. and, and, and there are little ways in which the old version of the neighborhood still, still pokes its head out. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it is, it's this constant, uh, you know, kind of Heraclitean, uh, change, um, that I think happens in cities around the world, mm-hmm. but in Vancouver, it's just this enormously accelerated, um, accelerated thing. What can you say, Charlie, um, about what's on your mind about this city, especially in fiction, that you couldn't say, say, in another form of writing? Oh, that's a that's uh, that's really a, a good question. I mean, one of the things that um, I think I, I can do. Um, uh, particularly with with the Dr. Boudreaux character, is uh, I, ironic. This this may sound ironic, but like as as a kind of left wing essayist with you know a, a, a wife who's involved in in municipal politics in the uh-huh. city, uh, you know I, one of the things that 
I found certainly with the, with the first book especially um, was that because my character had a really good job, I was able to um, write her as somebody who could kind of live in the uh, live quite comfortably in the new version of mm. the city. Yeah. Um, and and kind of like in, in in a way, I can write that in fiction in a way that's less self-conscious. Um, uh, you know, where where she, where she can just kind of enjoy that 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 new version of the city. Um, uh, the the other thing about uh, the Dr. Boudreaux character is that she's not from Vancouver. She's uh, she's an Acadian who grew up in Halifax, and um, you know my dad has lived in Halifax for the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've done with the characters is I've essentially swapped. Um, I've, I've swapped my pedigree with with her. So instead of being someone who's you know born and bred in Vancouver, but has you know. A, a, a now a kind of long-standing uh, Halifax pedigree in their adulthood. Uh, it's the opposite. They're, they're from Halifax, but have uh, have uh, you know observed Vancouver um, as an adult. Uh, but I guess in, in 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 the fiction, I'm I'm able to uh, note Vancouver as somebody who's who's kind of new to it or just arriving to it. I'm I'm able to kind of imagine Vancouver as someone who doesn't really have to worry about uh uh paying for the new Vancouver mm-hmm. um and and uh and then yeah you you kind of get to uh you get to inhabit i guess how you how you imagine um other people are experiencing Vancouver and then and then see if see if you landed in in the right place see if those are um convincing uh convincing imaginings right like um uh philip lee uh uh anique's um anique's boyfriend mm-hmm. is um you know from from a vancouver uh east van chinese canadian family i mean i'm i'm married into a chinese canadian family but i'm i'm married into a, a very different kind of mm-hmm. chinese canadian family than than Phillips. I mean, my my family's uh, you know my wife's family is from Toronto. Um, you know, they're middle class professionals. Um, uh, you know, the, the the thing that they share is that they're um, they're Cantonese speaking. Um, uh, but you know, I, I kind of am am trying to do that act of uh, empathetic imagining of of you know. So okay for Philip as as somebody who is uh who grew up in East Vancouver is is now doing uh, is now doing pretty well um you know what's it like to go eat in 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 a fancy old East Van restaurant what what memories does that maybe um bring up um how does he feel about the old neighborhood how does mm-hmm. he feel about the changes um and uh you know that that's the kind of thing that that you don't get to do in, in, in nonfiction and and is is one of the things that makes writing writing fiction, I mean risky in some sense because you can get it because you can get it badly wrong and 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 rewarding in the other because uh you know you get to you get to like the reader of fiction does, you get mm-hmm. to put yourself in someone else's shoes. The the character of uh, Daniel's father, Ivor McFadden um, I found him interesting. I don't know if I like him yet, but but I, I found him interesting. Um, he um, uh, is someone who was once um, uh, 
left wing, if you will, and and I guess has gone right wing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Is is that um, is that a common phenomenon? Yeah, yeah. It happens, and and I think um, you know, in in Ivers, um, you know, I kind of I imagine him as a sort of uh, late baby boom um, uh, birth. Mm -hmm. uh, Kind of a, you know about my dad's age, kind of early mid sixties. Um, I, I, th I think it's it, it's happening a lot, and um, that's that again that sort of empathetic, active imagination. You know, I think I think we we're we're in a climate now where we think the only way of imagining the life of someone different from you is if is if they're um, you know, racially different from you, or or their gender expression is different from you. But the the idea of uh, someone whose political values are different from your own, um, I think, is uh, that that's also a, a compelling um, difference of human uh, kind of life. And and uh, in some ways, it, it's one of the defining. Um, it's one of the defining. Kind of uh, fault lines of of the the world we live in today. I mean, it's, it's the one thing that people will kind of almost proudly um, not empathize across. Like I'm, I'm, you know, people are very unwilling to try and imagine life from the perspective of of people who who don't share their values in in that way. And so, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just um, I, I thought it would it would be kind of a um, a fun character to kind of um, to to set up as 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 a as a, in this sort of you know potentially antagonistic way, but who you know in terms of his relationship to the plot is is essentially a kind of um, you know a forced ally um, uh, and and yeah he was he was a lot of uh, he was a lot of fun to write and I think he was he was good for me to write. It, it seems like as, as I'm reading the book, because it, it, it is um, engaging and it is often funny and, and, and it gives me a lot to think about, uh, it seems like it was a lot of fun to write. I mean, it, it, even as you're writing the second book, you, you found that you were enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I took seriously, um, you know, the stories I read about um, I, mystery writers who, who wrote characters who they came to hate spending time with. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there are, there are these kind of like famous stories about um, authors who just felt absolutely imprisoned by by the people yeah. they wrote. And I mean, sometimes it was people who, you know, they just, I mean, because they wrote them for decades or they wrote mm -hmm. them for, you know, they wrote a million stories um, uh, about them. Um, you know, I, I was, I had the benefit of, you know, uh, <laughs> Anik is, uh, her jumping off point was this doctor who, you know, I really do consider to have saved my life and, mm -hmm. and to have created a quality of life um, for me that I never thought uh, imaginable. Uh, and, um, and, and, and who is someone who I really like um, and, and just as, as a human being um, get along with. And, and so uh by you know, by having her as my sort of jumping off point, um, you know, you know that having been said, you know, once 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 a character becomes fictional, now they're fiction, and and now you have to have them sort of 
work to the exigencies of character and story and 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 all that on mm-hmm. on the on the page um and i think <clears throat> i think the further i get into uh dr boudreaux's world the less she's probably going to resemble um her real life uh, kind of source uh, and i think that's i think that's healthy yeah. um but um yeah you don't you don't want to create a a world that's a kind of that's a drag for you to be in uh, as as a writer, and so um, I, I really like spending time with her, and, and I and I'm very fond of her um, of, of her boyfriend, uh, uh, and you know I, I like their dynamic together, so I enjoy spending that time with them, and and uh, I was <clears throat> trying to keep the story in places that 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 I'm that I'm fascinated by, or that I have a uh, particular either kind of knowledge of or affinity for and and uh could therefore write about with some kind of um uh you know some like you say in in a way that feels like you're having fun because because you can tell when you're reading a book that was a chore for, for the author and rarely is the book that was a chore for the author um not going to come out that way for the for the reader as well um you know it's it's that that's one thing that that is true, uh, you know, from the comedy world that, that that scans across to the to the to the world of 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 prose as well is is you know if you're if you're having fun on stage, um, the audience is going to feel that and and they're they're more likely to come with you and and so I I I did I mean if 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 you're not if you're not kind of reveling in the joy of getting to kind of make up a whole story, make up a bunch of people and the kind of world they live in, then, you know, <laughs> fiction's, you know, probably not for you. Indeed. Um, are you working on a third book now? Uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm working on a, um, a, a piece of juvenile fiction, a, a, a middle-grade um, mm-hmm. uh, book um, for uh, Douglas and McIntyre that um, uh, I'm, I'm actually really excited about, and, and it just kind of keeps getting... <clears throat> it kept getting kind of backburnered for for other stuff, and and uh, so between now and Christmas, that'll be the thing that I'm um, most focused on in terms of writing. But um, I I do have in mind a a kind of uh, uh, the 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 shape of a story for for a third Boudreaux um, novel. Um, you know, my hope is that the 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 book does well enough that 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 the my publishers, uh, you know, both um, in North America uh, here, uh, Douglas and McIntyre, and then um, in the United Kingdom, it's uh, Legends Press. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I hope that I hope that they want to keep going on this journey with uh, with Dr. Boudreau, um, because, uh, like you say, I mean, I, I had a lot of fun writing it. What was the reaction to the first book, and and it, it, when readers would talk to you about that? Did that say um, weigh on your mind as you were writing the second book? It definitely did. Um, so, the, the, so the, there were there were a few things. I mean, so the first is that I've never done anything like this. I've never ha- I've never written a sequel before. So, mm. this was the first time that I ever felt like um, things were were sort of taken on board. I, things could be taken on board um, in the way that uh, in the way that. You know, in this directly. So, for instance, um, you know, I got uh, I got a lot of feedback from readers 
um, uh, including from like publishing houses that turned down the manuscript. You know, you know, the, one of the things that they would uh, isolate that they that they really did like about it, but something that kept coming up. Um, almost always from um, when it came up, it almost always came up from 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 female readers mm-hmm. was that was that they liked that um, they liked that Anique was not uh, desexualized. Um, that I guess there's a kind of tendency to sort of sometimes treat these female sleuths almost as eunuchs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hearing that, I felt. Um, I, I felt, you know, kind of uh, that I was on the the right track in terms of um, showing the sort of that fulsome dimension of her of her relationship with um, of her relationship with Philip and, and and kind of the way she the way she moves in the world and 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 the way that she could kind of you know you you would you would you could also tell what sort of situation she's in by whether or not she was kind of in a place where she could play up that side of her or indulge that side of her versus the times where she she very clearly shuts that side of her down um uh which is which is also you know a very necessary and appropriate thing to do uh for for someone in her line of work mm-hmm. yeah. um so so that was that was one way in which the feedback that i got you know very directly impacted the the writing of the second book but the the i think i think that mo- most Stuck out to me um, in the uh, in in terms of feedback was I I I just I heard back about this book from people in you know this this was I think Primary Obsessions was I think my sixth book and I heard back from people in my life who I'd never heard from about my books before. Mm-hmm. And um, and then even people who had who had talked to me about my books, but in a kind of you know more sort of general or abstract way of kind of like good for you or you know oh, yeah. I'm so proud of you. Um, when it came to this one, uh, there was kind of a real like felt like a real feeling of connection. So the the you know my my little brother, for instance, mm-hmm. um, just really. Um, talked to me about primary obsessions in a way that we had never talked about um, the other books I'd written. Um, and, uh, you know, that was very touching um, to me. And, and actually, uh, you know, is the reason that I, I dedicated um, mm-hmm. this one to him. Um, and, 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 you know, there, there, were, there were people in my life uh, who I heard, you know, either through, through my dad or, or, you know, through my mother-in-law, um, you know, people people in our lives who who had read the book, and um, so that that was that was cool. I mean, uh, and, and and it was also cool to be you know working on a on a project that kind of um, had a, a larger life than than simply the one the one book that mm-hmm. it, that it didn't just kind of go out into the world and then and then that then that was done. I mean, this this time there was. Because there was a sequel, because there was something built in, I, it meant that certain things could be taken on board. I mean, you know, that that kind of thing can be you can you can do too much of that. You mm-hmm. can uh, essentially just do like um, 
you know, uh, trying to, you know, write a story to the algorithm or basically like, uh, you know, those old, you know, late 20th century ideas of, you know, everybody in the audience has, you know, three buttons on their, the arm of their seat and, you know, you'll vote on how this movie's going to end. Like, you know, you don't want to turn it over completely to some sort of crowdsourced thing, but it is nice to be able to <clears throat> respond in a kind of general way that's, that's, uh, that's organic to, to what it is that, that's resonating, if anything resonates, um, in the story with, with the audience that it finds. You uh, mentioned that in, in the acknowledgments that you wrote jokes for uh, both Adrian Dix and John Horgan. Um, yeah. It, it, they seem like gregarious people, and so it, it's and they have a, a, a seeming uh, sense of humor. Um, yeah. Is it easier to write for someone like that as opposed to say, oh, I don't know, uh, Justin Trudeau or Gordon Campbell? That's a, a great question. I mean, I would have, I would be, I would in, be entirely imagining what it's like to write for um, Justin Trudeau or or Gordon Campbell. Um, uh, and I think there would be a big difference as well between writing for for those two. I mean, um, Justin Trudeau, I think, w- would be hard to write for um, because uh, you know he's just he's. He's, he's very good looking, and I don't think he—I don't think he really has a, a terrific sense of what about about him is absurd. He seems quite kind of um, uh, uh, self-serious in a way that, um, uh, for instance, like Obama, who is mm-hmm. also a very handsome, uh, very handsome, and uh, you know, um, uh, charismatic guy. But was also like extremely funny. So, um, you know, when when whenever Obama was delivering lines that had been written by um, comedians, whether you know whether he was on uh, Zach Galifianakis's Between Two Ferns, oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or or um, you know White House uh, press correspondence dinner yeah. or whatever. I mean, he really had chops. He was very very good um, with 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 comedy. Um, you know, uh, Adrian was was interesting to write for because he had his rule was so. If you remember that that election, he refused to go negative. Yeah. Um. And and people were quite critical of him. Like, but he was he was not going to go after Christy Clark. He was only going to say what was good about what he and the and the NDP were going to do, and that extended into his approach to the jokes so he would not let me write any jokes about christy clark and every now and again i'd I'd sneak a couple in in the in the in the because the way it works is basically they send you the text Mm -hmm. um uh or they they just send you like here's the here's where we're going um and you just send back as many jokes as you can write um either that fit the text or that fix the theme and and they pick which ones they want to use, and they they plug them into the they plug them into the speech. Um, and so every now and again, I try and sneak in a couple of um, you know Christy Clark jokes into the into the into the bundle, uh, hoping that you know I would I would move him with just the quality of the zinger to to change his uh, to change his joke policy. Yeah. But he he never did. He, he the only um, jokes he would do that had a target had to be self-deprecating, which you know is is funny because when you when you're writing self-deprecation 
for someone else, uh, it's just deprecation, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're just, yeah, you're just making fun of someone, and then and then sending them, uh, sending them those jokes, and then sending them an invoice. Mm. Um, uh, uh, but uh, but but they were, but it was always it was always fun, and and in fact, there's a little part in um, uh, in Noonday Dark. That is essentially lifted directly from my experience with with Adrian, um, uh-huh. where you know he he had to give a speech to the Vancouver Board of Trade, which was considered very much, you know, playing on on um, away ice for yeah. for Adrian and uh, uh, Christy Clark and the Liberals had just announced this this thing called Free Enterprise Fridays, and Adrian. Um, Adrian's opening line was that um, he was he was responding with um, theoretical Marxism Thursdays, <laughs> and and apparently it like it brought the house down like it was just this huge, um, and 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 that the next day um, that joke and I think three others that I had written were quoted in Von Palmer's uh, mm. column, and uh, and so that was like my high point as a you know I was never more like. Um, kind of the golden boy than than, than that day, <laughs> yeah. um, and and uh, and then and then John uh, is I mean John John's different from Adrian in the sense that like uh, you know just the, their characters are um, uh, you know Adrian is someone who I think if if you were to say to Adrian like listen we're going to have a democracy um, where uh, you know instead of speeches or campaigning. You're just you're going to write down what you want to do, and then people are going to vote on everyone's you know yeah. 300 word thing. And like like Adrian would opt for that. Yeah, like yeah. Adrian is not in politics in order to shake people's hands and make speeches and like like kiss babies like, and yeah. he puts up with that in order to be a you know democratic socialist minister of health like that mm-hmm. like and 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 John. John is much more the whole picture. Like, I, he loves being in government. He loves making decisions. He also, like, this is a guy who gets giddy uh, touring people around the legislature. Like, mm. he, he wants to walk you around the building, showing you um, the various corners and, and what that window means and, you know, when they put that plaque in. And, like, he, he likes talking to people. He likes some. Um, and, and he's, he's, He's just killer with with delivery. Like he's 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 very good at delivering jokes. Um, I, I once brought him out on the debaters when mm. we were doing it. We were doing a debaters in Victoria, and um, you know I I wrote a, a little bit of banter for um, you know this, essentially the joke was I was debating someone that Victoria should no longer be the capital of British Columbia, mm-hmm. and you know my, my punchline was that I brought. Um, I brought John out on stage, and 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 his line was just basically he was going to say, "Of course, Victoria should not be the capital of British Columbia; it should be Souk." <laughs> um, and uh, you know, but but before that, we wrote a little bit of banter, and you know, I said, you know, I said, "Listen, um, I, I, w- I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be here." And he said, "Oh, listen, uh, it's my pleasure. I was just supposed to be over at Andrew Weaver's." Uh, watching the nature of things and you know he was just he just delivered it like a pro like he was uh it just had a killer killer sense of how the line 
is supposed to sound. So they were both they were both a real pleasure uh, to write for. Um, it's a real liberation to ghostwrite jokes mm-hmm. um, because in my in the, my comedy world, uh, you know, I I'm always there when the jokes get read. Like oh, yeah. not read, but when the jokes get performed, mm-hmm. um, my face is always right behind them in a way that's much more direct than even you know a, a novel with my my name on the cover. Um, when you're writing a joke that someone else is going to tell, um, you know, that you're never going to get any credit for, uh, it's, it's, it's this weird kind of liberation. Um, uh, it, it was a fun, it was a fun gig. It, it's, um, I could talk all afternoon with you. Um, uh, well, likewise, man. I mean, this is the, uh, I, I, I just write. I, I write books because, you know, otherwise you never call. <laughs> That's true. I never, yeah, why, why bother calling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. Uh, the, did you know that this is the tenth time you've been on the show? Oh, get out of town. You, you, oh, you, you're tied with the late Rafe Mayer, the oh, all-time is, uh, appearances on the program. That is uh, that is a big honor. That is. Uh, <laughs> I also feel like just, uh, you know, out of deference and good taste, I don't feel like I can come back on now. <laughs> well, like, I, like I, I feel like it would be wrong to like uh, come in and, and uh, dethrone. Uh, but that—that's uh, you know, look, you you know that I just like. I mean, I I just love what you do, and I, I uh, it, it's it's such a pleasure um, coming on every time. And I just I, you know I love the conversations, and uh, you know the 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 world that I'm sort of writing about and, and, and writing in and, and the kind of little, you know, bits of it that are, um, that, that, that still poke their heads up. I mean, what I love about you, Joe, is that, that you're, you're, you're kind of that, but then you're also something new and, uh, you know, like, like you feel, you feel like you're an exciting combination of, of, you know, what I love about, you know, Vancouver's, yesterday particularly east vancouver's yesterday but you're also definitely squarely vancouver's today and tomorrow and that's a that's a that's a lovely thing to be because you also don't want to go into this 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 kind of like zombie nostalgia for the city right sure um and i think a lot of people forget that too that, that cities are supposed to change um you know they're they're maybe not supposed to change at the pace that ours does or or in the kind of you know, unidirectional, um, uh, you know, uh, highway to, um, to exclusion and, 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 and affluence, um, that, that ours has, but, but they, they are supposed to change just like, just like, you know, people do. And, and I mean, that's, that's been kind of the other fun thing about writing more than one book about the same character is, is getting to decide, you know, um, to what extent is is the protagonist gonna gonna grow a little bit, and 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 you know where does where is she headed, and 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 you know where where do I get to head with her? Well, I'll make you a deal. You can come on an eleventh time, as long as uh, you bring uh, political buttons next time that you've you've collected. <laughs> I, I don't have very ma- I don't have very much one city stuff, so I will I will I will, and I have some one city stuff, and and. You know, I think that um, I ha- you know there's going to be some maybe um, uh, some new uh, buttons and stuff for the uh, for the for the upcoming election, yeah. the uh, fall 22 election. 
so that means that all the old one city buttons are now going to be like vintage there you, uh, go. you know they're going to have cachet so yeah uh, that's that's a deal um that and I, I can definitely live up to my end thanks for this Charlie. thank you buddy i really appreciate it joe the book is called uh, Noonday Dark. It is the second installment in the Dr. Nick Boudreau mystery series. It's published by Douglas and McIntyre. Its author, Charlie Demers, joined me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.